0: You're listening to the Mindful Psychology Podcast, a podcast designed to explore mindfulness, psychology, neuroscience, and various aspects of holistic health. My name is Jen. I'm your host. I'm also a therapist, an educator, and a yoga teacher. Join me and brilliant guests as we explore various topics and offer you actionable steps so that you can be informed and intentional about your health and well-being. Now sit back, relax, maybe take a notebook out, and let's dive in.
1: Hi, Dr. Debbie, how are you? Um, Great, thanks. Great, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh,
0: Thank you for having me. Great, so how about we dive into uh, your work and how you got into the work that you do and uh, what you're working on right now?
1: Sure, well, I've been in health mindset personal development since 1991. And as my business and my life kept morphing and changing, so did I, and then trauma hit I had a a horrible family betrayal and you know wasn't I guess the universe says okay well you have more lessons to learn and so then it hit me again and this time it was my husband and I was devastated shocked like anybody you know who's been through that and uh I, I realized, I said, you know, what's what's common about both of these betrayals here? And what was common was that I, I was never even on my own to-do list. It was about everybody else. So one of the first things I did, well, after I got my husband out of the house, was I enrolled in a PhD program uh, <laughs> in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential, because I was changing. I didn't quite understand it. He was, too, on his own. But, you know, I wasn't ready to even look at that. And uh, then it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? And that study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my business, my family, my life.
0: That's incredible. That's really incredible. Congratulations already for that. Um, And I, I've watched your your TED talks as well. Oh, Talk, and it was so inspiring and beautiful. So, um, yeah. So, what what are some of the things that you discovered? I know that you talked about them. Um, and as you were doing your PhD, you had mm-hmm. uncovered kind of um, what ends up happening, like what we end up feeling, and then you had a name mm-hmm. for this type of um, phase. Yeah. You go ahead. Yeah.
1: There actually were three discoveries. So the first one was that originally I was studying uh, betrayal and post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic traumatic growth is like the upside. You know how, how some trauma, regardless of what the trauma is, leaves you with a new insight, perspective, awareness that you didn't have beforehand. And, and I like the upside, you know, so I was focusing on, I was like, you know, okay, let's see what upside could there be with betrayal? But what happened was as as I was doing the research and interviewing the study participants, I was like, you know what? I've been through death of a loved one. I've been through disease. Betrayal feels really different for me, but I didn't want to assume. So I asked my study participants and I said, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, does it feel different? Hands down, unanimously, they said, oh, my gosh, it's so different. It's so different. So it needed its own name, which is now called post-betrayal transformation. And the reason why it's so different is because when you lose someone you love, for example, mm-hmm. you grieve, you're sad, you mourn the loss. Life will never be the same, you know, but you, you don't question, you don't take it personally.
0: Yeah. With
1: betrayal, it feels so intentional. So you take it so personally. So the whole self has to be rebuilt confidence, rejection, abandonment, belonging, worthiness, trust. These are huge things that have been shattered and they all have to be rebuilt. So it it needed its own, its own term. So if I were to come up with an equation, it would be post-traumatic growth plus rebuilding the self equals post-betrayal transformation. And that's the full and complete healing after betrayal. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was the first discovery. Mm -hmm. Um, the second one, this one, this one blew my mind. And in just the nerdiest way, I thought, I mean this, I thought my head was gonna fly right off my body when we, when we found this one. I'll never forget my study chair saying, uh, Debbie, I believe you've discovered a process here. And that was so exciting because there were, what we saw so clearly was that there are five stages that we go through if we are to completely heal. You don't leave any out, you don't skip the order, You will go through these five stages. Um, And and what was even more exciting about that is, we also found what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every stage, and what we need to do to move from one stage to the next. So what that meant was, now healing from betrayal is predictable. Because if someone knows where they are, and they're willing to do these very things, they will predictably move through their betrayal. Um, And I'm happy to go through the five stages too. and the third discovery was really exciting as well. And, and this one was that there's a collection of symptoms so common to betrayal, it's now known as post-betrayal syndrome. And we have a quiz on our site uh, to see to what extent people are struggling. And this is, we've had you know 8,500 people take the quiz. At this point, every age, almost every country represented. And what's so interesting is, you know, we've heard time heals all wounds and I have the proof that's not true when it comes to betrayal, because people write things like, there's a question that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And I read every one of them and people write things like my betrayal happened 40 years ago and I can still feel the hate. My betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust again. My betrayal happened, you know, 15 years ago and it feels like yesterday. So we know when it comes to betrayal, we only heal when we, uh, what I say in my community, face it, feel it, heal it.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. That's amazing. Um, I also do believe that as well, that time doesn't heal all wounds. I think there's work to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure in what context that quote was invented, but. <laughs> <laughs> not but, when it comes to betrayal. Yeah, no, I can see, I can see how that would be. Um, but I, I love what you've said. Um, first of all, that's incredible that you've just, that you discovered those three things. I like that, you know, the first one just seems so groundbreaking to begin with. And then you were like, so that was the first one only. I'm thinking, right. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then you had the second one and then the third one. So that's incredible. And then, um, so what, could you take us through
1: a little bit of what happens in those stages? Like, what are the that things that sure. we feel when we're betrayed? Absolutely. And and what's so, what I would love all the listeners to do, to do is really just assess and see are they in one of these stages? And there is um, something so what, what happens is, I mean, we find in, in the PBT post betrayal transformation community that there are really two demographics. And one is the person who's recently betrayed, they're shocked, they're blindsided, you know, that group. But then there's the one, their betrayal could have happened 30, 40 years ago. And they've resigned themselves to, to, they've, you know, they've managed to survive their experience and that's where they stay. So I'm going to go through these stages and and you'll see, and everybody listening will see exactly where they are, whether it's an old or new betrayal, if they've had any sort of experience with betrayal. So uh, big or small. So the first one is like a setup stage. And I saw this with every single study participant, me included. And if you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everybody was this real heavy lean on the physical and the mental and really kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. So what does that look like? It looks like we're really good at thinking and doing and not really prioritizing the feeling and being. Mm -hmm. But it's the feeling and being, that's where our intuition lies, and we turn that down, and it really would have served us. So that's the typical setup. Now that's not to say if you're busy, it's a setup for betrayal, it's just what I saw. Stage two, here's where we're blindsided, and it's the most, by far, the scariest stage. This is D-Day, Discovery Day, and it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, the worldview. You've ignited the stress response here. So now you're headed for just about every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you've just discovered. It makes no sense. You're just in shock and your worldview has just been shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. It's how you view the world. These are the rules, these people are safe, don't go here, this is how it works. And in a moment, it's shattered and a new worldview hasn't been constructed yet. So here is truly when the bottom bottoms out on you and it's terrifying. But think about it, if you were walking down the street and the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. And that's stage three, survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical stage. You know, if you can't help me get out of my way, how can I survive this experience? What do I do? Who can I trust? But here's the the thing, because once we figured out how to survive, it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of stage two that we're like, whew, okay, and then we stay we haven't even undergone the transformation yet but we stay in this stage and then what happens is we start getting all of these small self benefits from being there you get to be right you get your story you get someone to blame you get a target for your anger you get sympathy from other people you don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again do i trust you do i trust your act forget it i won't trust anybody and the longer you stay, the harder it is to leave. And then you also start doing a lot of mindset stuff. Like, you know, you start thinking, well, maybe it's true. Maybe I'm not all that. Maybe I'm, you know, and and you're doing that. And then like energy attracts like energy. So now you're calling situations and circumstances and people to you that, you know, that, that confirm that's where you belong. Mm -hmm. And this is the stage that also, I don't know which, uh, which of my TEDx's you watched, but the the first one um, is really about how we use things like food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior, you know, to numb, avoid, and distract ourselves from something we're unwilling to feel our face. Well, it's in this stage three that it's really common to do all that because we're not happy with our um, situation: We're not happy with our health, with our relationships, with our body, with our finances, with our lifestyles, with our lives. But we've resigned ourselves to thinking this is well, this is it. So it may as well be okay with it. And so we do all we can to sort of escape it. So that's stage three. If and that's the most common stage to get stuck in. If if we're willing, willingness is huge here. If we're willing to let go of those small self benefits. For benefits that are so much better and we grieve and you know the, the loss and do you know certain things we can move to stage four and this is finding and adjusting to a new normal you know he, it's like you know you can't undo your betrayal but you can control what you do with you from from here on out and this is like If you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, you know, your stuff's not not there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. And when you're in this mental uh, place, you're turning the stress response down. You're not healing just yet, but you're not causing the massive damage you were causing in stages two and stage three. What I also found so interesting to this stage was if you were to move, you know, Think about it. You don't necessarily take everything with you. You don't take the things that don't represent the version of you you want to be in this new space. And that's what I saw with friendships. If your friends weren't there for you, you don't take them with you from stage three to stage four. You've outgrown them. And it was so common for people to say, what the heck? I, like, I've had these friends. I just don't feel right with them anymore. Is it me? Yes, <laughs> it is you because you're changing. And, and that was really common. Once you've settled into this stage four and, you know, you feel good about being there. You could slowly move to the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. Your body starts to heal. Now you're eating well, you're exercising, you know, you're taking better care of yourself. You're giving yourself self-love, self-care. You didn't have the bandwidth for that before. You were surviving, you know. So now you're healing. Your mind, you're making all kinds of new boundaries and rules based on you know who you've become, and you have a new worldview based on your experience. And the four legs of that table, remember in the beginning we were only focused on the physical and the mental, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, that's really, really great. I love the way that you've unpacked that. And I think especially when someone's going through a difficult time and everything's a bit crazy in their minds, Mm -hmm. having that sort of trajectory or that sort of, um, I don't know, a a bit more of a concrete type of stage representation Mm -hmm. is helpful for them. I know that when, I've, when I went through some difficult things, it was, it was easier to get, to get through the day if I had some sense to the madness. Mm-hmm, so I think that's also mm-hmm. a really good thing as well. Um, I'm really curious to know as well, what would be the things that manifest physically, emotionally, and mentally when we go through that initial stage of betrayal? So when the rug gets pulled from under us and we're going through that awful feeling, um, and as you said in the, the, the TEDx that I watched, this is when you had said you couldn't brace yourself because you didn't know it was coming. Yeah. You couldn't protect yourself because you didn't. So that must be a very, very overwhelming and all-encompassing feeling. Yeah. So what are some of the things you've noticed come up most? And- you
1: know, he. I remember my, one of my study participants saying, you know what it feels like? It feels like every negative emotion you can experience mm-hmm. getting punched in the gut and losing a child in a crowd at the same time. Wow. It's utter shock. It's just shock. It, it's it, you know. It's and it, it's like this weird time warp speed that starts happening. It's awful. It's awful because think about it. This was the reason why uh, betrayal is so hard to navigate. I mean, now we have the tools. Now I have you know. We we have the five stages, so it's so much easier. But the reason why it's so challenging. Is because these were the people we trusted the most Mm -hmm. these were the people who said you know you I got you you're safe with me you can trust me and so then we we relax we rest easy thinking okay this person has my back this person is following the same rules that I am and we're on the same page here Mm -hmm. and without our awareness or consent you know someone just chose break those rules and it is so devastating because we weren't we never saw this coming never and then you know there are so many people who get so angry at themselves you know what was i was so stupid i was so no you weren't you're cut you had a big wide open heart and 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 you were just being this loving kind person that you are you know, it is. It was prey for the wrong person, or for the person who was sleepwalking through life at the time. But the worst crime is when someone comes out of this saying, "That's it. No, I'm not doing that again. Never, never, never." And and I can spot an unhealed betrayal from a mile away, and and I can even tell you how it shows up in different areas, because that protection that you're doing is is really creating such a disservice to you it's almost like I write about it in the new book trust again it's like you get burnt on the stove and you swear off cooking you know right that's not fair to you you want to make all those delicious dishes will you be careful should you put a glove on as you go near it of course but to swear off cooking forever I mean that's just not right so you know do you want me to talk about the way I see it in different areas I mean, yes, definitely. And actually,
0: I also wanted to talk about, I mean, you can pick how we move through this, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask one about uh, how people can understand what's happening. So if this person has chosen to do these things, which Mm -hmm. is what makes betrayal so difficult, how can we overcome that realization of thinking, okay, this person chose to do this to me? That must be really difficult to go from, I'm in a loving relationship, or this is my family, or whatever, there's Mm -hmm. love. To okay, they just chose to completely throw me under the bus, and then also uh, the stage three where you said that's the one where people mostly get stuck, and it takes a willingness to move forward. Then, what are some ways that we can use this understanding to then move forward? So, and then I think using the the way the way that unhealed betrayal shows up is a good segue. So I just wanted to
1: yeah, sure. So Mm -hmm. so you know it 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 is so it's so painful when this person you put your love, your heart, your trust, your time. does this and what I've seen is it's really two scenarios betrayal will reveal who someone truly is or it will reveal who someone temporarily became Mm -hmm. and either way for the for the betrayed it's incredibly painful but the shock of that realization um, it gives you two opportunities and and you know when it comes to the betrayal like in my case and you know with my family it it was who they are and and there wasn't an option to you know there was no ownership of any of it there was only you know blame and all of this and when you're in a situation like that the only thing that's in your best interest to do is to rebuild yourself and move on because it is so exhausting and debilitating and frustrating and you're banging your head against the wall and you're wasting your time. And I know there are so many people listening who, who are saying, Oh my gosh, that's what I've been doing. Yes, I know. Cause I've been there. And, um, you know, you want to walk around with a pad and paper and say, and write things down, like, see, you said this. And, and, and there's just flat out denial. There's never any taking responsibility or ownership. The other side of it is when someone, um, like the case with my husband, Uh, that was, I mean, I've known him since 1984, we've been together, but he turned into someone completely unrecognizable from the person I met. But the shock of his actions, because of that, he lost it all. He lost me, he lost the kids. And there was something about, and he lost the kids, he was the one who told them. And, And I think if anything is going to have you wake up and realize the damage you caused, it's having four teenage kids looking at you, saying, you did what to our mom, you know? And, uh, and that was the wake up call where his entire life just completely unraveled. And that, but it's that wake up call that, that he chose to say, what the heck am I doing? What is that? I just lost the only things that mattered. And he tra- transformed on his own, which was hard to imagine, you know, and then here I was, I was so different because I was like, well, that's, that's it. This is about me now. And it's I'm just going to see what it's like just to be I'm a single mom now. And I'm going to raise my kids and do my thing. And having no expectation of what's going to show up. Um, and that's when I rebuilt myself. He rebuilt himself. And not long ago, you know, we married each other again. <laughs> as, two oh, totally wow. as two totally different people. But what I also see is there's such fear in that death and destruction of the old Mm -hmm. but unless you do that it is impossible to birth the new you know and and i and it's so even you know there were three groups in this study who didn't heal and one of the groups was where the betrayer had no consequences so whether this was out of religious reasons or financial fear or fear of breaking up a family or just fear of being alone, whatever. They chose to overlook it, turn the other cheek, try to get past it. You tell that to your broken heart. It doesn't work. The only thing I saw in this group was a further deterioration of the relationship. And this group was by far, hands down, the most sick, physically sick Mm -hmm. because it's, you can't do that. You can't, you, you know, but there's such fear of that massive change but it's only in that massive change do, do you wake up and realize what you want, what you deserve. And, and if the situation lends itself, you know, and if the, your partner can too, and then you can decide, is it worth it? And do you want to, mm-hmm. but you never, you never know and you, you can't expect to know the outcome because uh, I've had so many people come into the community saying, oh, I just want us to be okay again. And I said, no, my work is with the, but the betrayed. And, and it's interesting because sometimes um, they heal. And by the time they heal, they don't have the least bit of interest in yeah. that other person. Yeah. Or the other person says, oh my gosh, I better rise up to meet the strength of this mm-hmm. person. And then they transform as well. Or they were just ready to. So it's there are so many dynamics that go on. I don't yeah. remember your second question.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I know this is a perfect way to lead into it. No, it's good. Um, I, I think... That was really interesting, first of all, and also such a lovely story. These are the kinds of stories that people tell for forever, right? Like this is a really nice story. <laughs> um, but that was good. Um, no, I think the next question was really just when people are going through this, if they're finding themselves stuck at, in in stage three, or maybe mm-hmm. they're still stuck in the in the shock. Like right? maybe they're still mm-hmm. stuck. They're still stuck in the how did this happen? And you had said how they take it personally because it's this choice that the other person makes. Mm-hmm. I guess the first thing would be to unpack how they can
1: overcome that part. At that point, they're still in stage one probably, right? You know, this is, you have to say it a hundred million times until you believe it, ready? You're not gonna believe it when I say it, but if you say it enough times, you eventually will. Even though it happened to you, it's not about you. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard one because it was done to you and it feels so personal. Mm -hmm. But someone awake and aware, you know, wouldn't hurt a fly. So this is someone clearly, if they're betraying you, it's their lack. It's something they're missing. It's something they're not willing to look at. You know, when someone chooses to numb, avoid, distract, like I said, that was the, what the first TEDx was about. They're doing that because what used to feel right doesn't feel right anymore. What used to make sense doesn't make sense anymore. What used to work doesn't work anymore. And instead of looking at it saying, what am I ready for now? they don't want to hear it so they numb and what happens is the voice gets louder and louder so the stakes get bigger and bigger mm-hmm. you know like for example if it, you maybe you're emotionally eating and and you you need a few cookies when that discomfort that uncomfortable feeling would come up and now a few cookies don't work so you eat the whole sleeve of cookies or you used to have a glass of wine to to you know kind of numb a little bit. Now that's not working. So you're having two or three. You used to watch one show and now you're binge watching a whole series. You know, so what's happening is the stakes are getting bigger. And when it comes to betrayal, it could be another person, you know, those are the the, that's a way to avoid as well. It's a painful way to avoid, but it's one, you know, that people choose. So when you truly understand that, um you know, it's it's a good it's a good start. But there are so many so many factors, too, you know, it depends where someone is, it's, it's, it's really about, this is an opportunity, and I know it sounds crazy, like, how is betrayal an opportunity, it really is, it's an opportunity to, um, the playing field has been completely and totally leveled, Mm -hmm. Um, and you, you know, it's, it's time for the rebirth of something beautiful, a new start, a new chapter, a new something that you never would have um, had access to had that not happened. So if you watch the second TEDx, you said you did. So there's the story of the, the analogy of the house. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's like this, this is, this is the opportunity right here. So resilience is a, uh, What you need for your day to day. You know, it's restoring, bringing back. So let's take a house as an an example. And let's say the house needs a boiler and you get that boiler. That would be resilience. Let's say it needs a new roof and you get a new roof. That would be resilience. You're bringing it back, you're restoring. Here's trauma and transformation a tornado comes by and levels the house. You know, a new paint job's not going to fix it and a new roof's not going to fix it. And both of those won't fix it. And here's the thing you have every right to stand there at the lot where your house once stood and say, oh my gosh, this is the worst, most terrible, tragic, awful thing that's ever happened. And you'd be right. And this is stage three right here. And you can call everybody over and say, look at this, isn't this the worst thing you've ever seen? And yes, they'd agree. And you have your story and you have every right to cry and kick and scream and talk about your house, burning down, crashing down until your final breath. However, should you choose to rebuild your house? You don't have to, but if you choose to, you don't have to build the same house. There's nothing there. Why not give it everything the old house didn't have? Why not make it bigger, better, more beautiful? That's the opportunity. You know, trauma is the setup for transformation. And, and in my case, I was like, this is the most devastatingly painful thing I've ever been through. Um, and I'm gonna do something really good with it. And and if I can figure out a way to heal, I'm taking everybody with me. So. It was just a different way to move through it. And I didn't do anything that everybody else couldn't do. But it was like, for me, the injustice was so huge that it didn't feel like en- enough just to heal. It felt like I needed to do something else with this. And that's why we created the community.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I really like the way that you that you talked about the fact that that choice or that, that, um that move toward building something bigger and better is where the transformation happens because it's true. Um, Like things will teach you things in life. Like you'll have lessons to learn in life, but you're only really learning that lesson if you're moving past the the bitterness, let's say, or the anger and actually Mm -hmm. creating something new from what happened, right? You're not really learning a lesson if you're just going to be bitter. Everybody can be bitter about things that happen, right?
1: (laughs) And there are plenty of people to be bitter with. Yeah. Yes. yeah,
0: yeah. You know, and that's and, and, and even just sulking and, and having the time to just cry and maybe even talk about it or try to relive it a little bit because it, to try to make more sense of it. That's all fine and, and good. But then to really move on, that's where the transformation happens. And I think that's a really important thing to remember. Um, and, and also when you had said earlier about, uh, no, I'm not going to trust anymore. Like I'm, I'm done with this. It's kind of like saying, oh, I burnt myself once and I'm not going to cook anymore. Um, so how are some ways that people can. Let go, I guess. I mean, I, th- I think it's less a choice of letting go and more a choice of something of focus focusing on something new. But yeah. if someone's stuck in this grief right now and they're in stage three or around that, you know, and mm-hmm. they're thinking, I just feel like I don't want to trust again, I want to play completely yeah. safe. What happened was the worst, it's like the second time this happens to me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I give up that kind of thing. And they go through life a bit more, you know, guns blazing and a bit,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, what are some ways that they can move past that?
1: Yeah. Well the first thing is you you want to know if you're struggling with this unhealed betrayal. So so that would be an obvious one, but let's say it happened years ago and mm-hmm. it's just become your habit to not trust. So I'm going to show you I'm going to explain how it shows up in different areas so you can see if this is what you're dealing with and this could be a it just happened or decades ago. So the first way would be this is how you know if you have an unhealed betrayal when it comes to relationships. If you have repeat betrayals that's how you know it's unhealed. Because what happens is like if you if you find you're like, what the heck? I keep going from job to job and I have like, it's the same situation with my coworkers. It's the same situation, different boss, but it's the same thing. Same situation with each partner. Same situation with my friends. Is it me? Yes, it's you. It's you because you keep bringing the same you into every scenario. Lesson has not been learned. You keep getting an opportunity. And what's going to happen is you keep doing that until you get the most mother- Until you have the mother of all experiences, where where you say that's it, I am never doing this. I'm never doing that. Lesson learned, right? Like maybe you finally learn I am lovable, worthy, deserving. I do need to put boundaries in place. You don't have to keep repeating it. So that's how you know if it's uh, if it's a repeat betrayal, it's an unhealed betrayal. Or you know the other scenario is you put that big wall up. You're like, nope not going there again. I've been burned. No no one is getting close to my heart again. Nope. And we look at it as a strength. I am so strong. I am not, you know, I'm just, this is who I am. I'm good with it. I like being alone. And, you know, check the reason why. I'm not saying you like your space and everything. Of course, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if keeping people at, at a distance is because there's some unresolved betrayal right there and unhealed betrayal right there. Because, you know, think about it. Life is really so much richer and deeper when we have these beautiful relationships with friends, Mm -hmm. with, with all of these people, partners, all these things. And if we're denying that because of what someone did years ago that's not fair to us. That's not fair. I mean, think about it. That person could have done something years ago. They don't remember, care, know, whatever. And here we are, you know, living half a life because we're keeping the most beautiful relationships at bay. So that's how, you know, if it's showing up in relationships that it's unhealed, you know, we see it, we see it in health too, where people go to the most well-meaning doctors, coaches, healers, therapists, you know, to manage a stress related symptom, illness, condition, disease. At the root of it can be an unhealed betrayal. We see it in, in business too, where someone's confidence was shattered. So they want to ask for that raise or promotion. They deserve it, but they don't have the confidence to ask and they're bitter and resentful instead. Or they don't have the confidence to make that phone call, to go to that networking event or you know something like that. Or they they don't trust, right? The person they trusted the most proved untrustworthy. So they you know, they want to be a team player, but they're afraid, or they want to do that joint venture collaborative project, but they're afraid to trust that person. It's like, Mm -hmm. I don't barely know, I hardly know them. The person closest to me, I couldn't trust. How can I trust that person? So it shows up in so many areas.
0: Yeah, that's really, that's really important. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense as well. And I think just the idea of of what you said you know the person closest to me did this who's to say that this stranger won't do that right like it completely shatters your faith in humanity right mm-hmm. it's the worst thing i mean and what about as it pertains to children if they go through difficult things early early in their life like how will this manifest later on in, in with respect to betrayal
1: yeah uh, unless they take active measures to work through this they will keep having betrayals because not that it was good because it's familiar you know, it, there's been so much damage done by the person they put the greatest amount of trust in and that they were, you know, completely dependent upon. So this, you know, that treatment, um, is very familiar and, you know, there's so much work that needs to be done with regards to self-esteem and trust and a sense of belonging and rejection and abandonment. So it all has to be healed. It all can be healed, but it all has to be healed.
0: Yeah, definitely. I agree. Well, that was really well explained. I think that took everybody through the stages and through identifying the feelings and knowing what to do. That was really helpful and so insightful. And still, I find it so interesting, everything that you've said about all of this. I can see that you're passionate about it. So that's really <laughs> wonderful. And speaking of the passion that you have, you also wrote a book that you showed okay. me. Yeah. <laughs> How did yes. you talk to us about your book?
1: sure so it's uh it's it's coming out october 4th and it's uh, we're in uh, pre-release now it's trust again overcoming betrayal and regaining health confidence and happiness and you know this this it's a i've never written a book like this and i've put out a few books this one is so vulnerable because my complete story's in there but it's it's also the the stories of my study participants because i want the readers to, to realize they're not alone and they're not crazy. Um, and, and I also have the five stages in there with experiential exercises. So you are walked through the stages as you move through the book. And then there's my four-step trust rebuilding process. So it's, it's not the kind of book that you read. It's, it's the kind of book that you do.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. And it's something that you can probably always go back to, you know,
1: as a manual as a, manual or as a uh, guide. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I put the book out too, because what the study even proved, you know, we need support the most when we've been betrayed, but we're the least likely to seek it because there's so much shame and embarrassment. So I thought, well, you know what, if everybody just has a book or the audible, you know, Mm -hmm. they can, in the privacy of their, their own, you know, room, they can, they can get the support that they need. So it's there.
0: Absolutely. That's great. And then people get to somewhat work with you in a way. Um, but if people want to work with you more directly or connect with you in more, more directly, how can they do that?
1: Uh, thank you. The, the best way is to take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, just to see to what extent you're struggling. And you can find that at the PBT as in post-betrayal transformation, the PBT forward slash quiz.
0: Amazing. Great. So I'll put all the links in the show notes. Um, otherwise, is there anything else that people can do to find you?
1: Uh, You know what? The best thing is really just to go, if they take the quiz or just go to the PBT Institute, they'll find everything right there.
0: Fantastic. So I'll put all of those in the show notes. And before we go, was there anything else you wanted to say or any advice, any nuggets of advice you have for our listeners? Yeah,
1: sure. You know, having been through it, uh, I get the pain. It's a, I believe that betrayal is, is one of the most painful of the human experiences, but coming out of it, the other side, I can promise that I didn't do anything that someone else couldn't do. You deserve a life filled with health and love and, um, and joy and fulfillment. And it's waiting for you on the other side of your betrayal. So get the support you need to truly and fully heal.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything that you said today and for all, your, all the work that you do in general and for being here today. Oh, thanks
1: so much for having me. Thank you, Dr. Debbie.